Lord God, I thank you and give you praise for the opportunity. Every time I set foot in your pulpit in front of your people, I feel unworthy. But I'm thankful that in spite of that, you called me. You called us to serve you. You called us to honor you no matter what. And I'm here to do so. So would you stand up in me, for me, and around me? Speak with this tongue. Use these lips. Uplift all of us, Lord, because we need you. In Jesus' name, amen. So today we're going to focus on Psalm 56. But before we dive into it, we got to do a, just a tiny bit of background so I can tell you, you know, when David wrote it. So let's go to 1 Samuel 21, 10 through 14. I'm diving right in. <laughs> just in case y'all don't know, that's how I get down. <clears throat> All right. So I'm going to read it for us. Uh, oh, I'll wait for some of you to get there. Oh, we got it on the screen. Okay. And David rose and fled that day from Saul and went to Achish, the king of Gath. And the servants of Achish said to him, is not this David, the king of the land? Did they not sing of one another of him in dances? Saul has struck down his thousands and David his ten thousands. And David took these words to heart and was much afraid of Achish, the king of Gath. So he changed his behavior before them and pretended to be insane. It is funny. It's hilarious. I, I love this. I love this scripture. It's hilarious. And pretended to be insane in their hands and made marks on the door of the gate and let his spittle run down his beard. Then Achish said to his servants, behold, you see the man is mad. Why have you brought him to me? I love this question. This is hilarious. This, this king got a sense of humor. Do I lack mad men? He like, I look around at my crew. I ain't got no crazies. I need more crazies in my crew. <laughs> like, you ever look at your squad and be like, ain't enough crazy people in my squad. Nobody does that. So he's like, do I lack mad men that you have brought this fellow to behave as a madman in my presence? Shall this fellow come into my house? And if you look at chapter 22, verse 1, we don't have to read it. But David did escape. You know, that allowed him to trick the king and actually escape. He fled to Gath because it's in Philistine territory. If you don't know, the Philistines are mortal enemies, arch rivals of the Israelites. This was a move of pure desperation because Saul was chasing him, trying to kill him. Remember, Saul lost the kingdom. God anointed David. And then Saul was like, OK, I'll just kill God's man. I know he thought that was going to work, but he tried it. So David was on the run for a while. And in a move of desperation, he goes to his enemy's land. You know, what is it, Sun Tzu or something, Art of War? The enemy of my enemy is my friend. So we figure if I can hide out in enemy territory, then surely Israelite not going to follow me because this is their enemy. But he put his own life at risk doing that. And a servant of the king actually recognized him and told him, like, hey, that's David. But thankfully, he acted crazy enough to where the king didn't believe it. Because apparently he didn't believe it. That servant knew what he was talking about. Sometimes listen to your people. Because <laughs> they might know what they're talking about. They might not have your position, but just listen to them. Just a quick aside. But he, he clearly didn't listen to him because he didn't believe him. And David was able to escape. And I think that when he escaped, he escaped to a cave. And I believe, and I'm using my sanctified imagination, as y'all say, that in that cave is where he probably penned Psalm 56. And um, we can read Psalm 56 now. Remember, he's just fleeing and getting away, and he lands in this particular cave, and this is what he wrote. Be gracious to me, O God, for man tramples on me. 
All day long an attacker oppresses me. My enemies trample on me all day long, for many attack me proudly. When I'm afraid, I put my trust in you. In God whose word I praise, in God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? All day long they injure my cause. All their thoughts are against me. Other verses say all day long they distort what I'm saying. All their thoughts are against me for evil. They stir up strife. They lurk. They watch my steps as they have waited for my life. For their crime, will they escape? In wrath, cast down the peoples, O God. You have kept count of my tossings, put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? Then my enemies will turn back in the day when I call. This I know, that God is for me. In God, whose word I praise, in the Lord, whose word I praise, in God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can man do to me? Final two verses. I must perform my vows to you, O God. I will render thank offerings to you, for you have delivered my soul from death. Yes, my feet from, fail, from falling, that I may walk before God in the light of life. So David cries out to God because, namely, his enemy, Saul, was attacking him. He was afraid for his life, and he's been on, run for quite, on a run for quite some time. If you read through the Psalms, a lot of them are written when, when David is on the run, when he's running from Saul trying to kill him, cave to cave, place to place, hiding. Imagine your life being there for several years, and you are named the king. Imagine becoming CEO of your company, and now you got to run because people are trying to take you out. You can't even take the position that was given to you by God because somebody is chasing you. And you won't lay a hand on him because you know that God called him first. So you were kind enough and merciful enough to say, I won't touch God's anointed. But God's anointed, who God had left, is now chasing me. And yet still, David held to that principle, I'm not going to kill him. So he's on the ruin. And he mentioned being oppressed. And it's so tripped out because the word oppression means suffering under harsh authoritarian, authoritarian treatment. That's Saul. Saul was the authority at the time. He's the authoritarian. Author, I can't even say the word. What's wrong? <laughs> but that was Saul at that time. So he asked God to just give him some grace during this time because he needed it. And I know we like to quote that scripture that tells us, because um, I love how David admitted that he was afraid, but we like to quote the scripture, you know, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind, right? But we quote something, we got to do it in context. Second uh, Timothy 1, 7 through 8, I didn't put it up here, I'm just going to read it. I'll read 8. What Paul was actually talking about, he was telling him, don't be afraid to share the gospel, as we just step aside for a second. Don't be afraid to share your faith. Don't be afraid of the testimony that was in your mother Eunice and your grandmother Lois, right? Don't be afraid to share that. He didn't say you never have fear. That's when in verse 8 he says, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord. That's what he was talking about. Nor of, the, of me of a, as a prisoner, but share in my suffering for the gospel by the power of God. So we got to understand context of scripture when we quote them. It's okay to have fear. God is not surprised that you're scared about something. We learn that from David. We can take our fears to God. So this would be my first point. God cares about our fears. He cares about them. And with humility, David admitted that he was afraid. So we should do the same. I go to God to let him know I'm scared all the time. Look, it ain't like he don't know. He's omniscient. He's all-knowing. So he knows you're scared. You can puff your chest out if you want to. It ain't going to work. 
it don't matter. He know you're scared. It's not a sin to be afraid, nor is it weak, especially if we take those fears to God. So it makes no sense to act tough, talk tough, walk tough when you're being oppressed by your enemy or when you're being oppressed by the enemy. Take it to God because he cares about your fear. Right. So let go of that pridefulness if you got it, if we have it to say, I ain't scared of nothing. Let that go and go to God and be like, you know, I'm scared of some stuff, Lord. I'm scared of some stuff. Somebody threatened my life. I, you know, I'm, I want to get protection. You know, if somebody come to try to do something to my family and I got to fight and do 610, 380, I'm pretty sure he's going to absorb everything I throw at him. But I'm, but I'm, I'm scared. <laughs> That's a big dude. I'm, I'm, I'm what I'm going to do. <laughs> Jump at him. I don't know. But admit that there is fear. You know, some of us keep protection in our house because of what? Fear. We scared because we don't want anything to happen to us. I ain't, I ain't against it. I'm just saying acknowledge the real of what it is. So you can admit that you have fear because God cares about our fears. And God never said that we wouldn't feel it. It's what you do with that fear that what matters. That's what happens. Are you going to freeze or be crushed under the weight of it? Or will you remember that we can just go right to God? Because his toughest warrior was scared. David is known as one of the toughest men in the Bible. Real talk. You go look, read, read through Samuel. Again, let go of the idea that because you're scared of something that you sinned. On the contrary, it's a great opportunity to show humility and desperate dependence on the Holy Spirit. That's what fear does. If you look at verse 3 and 4, he said, when I'm afraid, I put my trust in you. In God, whose word I praise, in God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? And here's what I mean, what you must do with fear. Acknowledge it's there, and then trust God, which is my next point. God wants our trust. He wants our trust. He's like, yo, you can trust me with how you feel. You can trust me with everything. So once, I re- once, I, once we realize that people are powerless against us and can't do anything to us compared to God, that thought should absolutely strengthen us. And then we should want to trust God even more. God is all powerful. People have no power. They might act like they got power at your job. They might have an iota of authority. But the ultimate authority is who you answer to. Now, I'm not saying use this as a time to go to your job and be like, you can't tell me what to do. I walk under God. I ain't cleaning no bathroom, Mr. Johnson. I will do what I want. The Lord has not told me. I don't pick up brooms unless it's in the name of Jesus. Okay, fine. You're fired. Good luck with the light bill. No, no. We are to surrender (laughs) under authority. That's what surrender is. You surrender. But this is to say overall that man cannot touch you. They cannot threaten you. They cannot harm you because God is in control, right? So many reasons to trust God. So the next time fear peaks its ugly head up, just meditate on this scripture, Philippians 4, 8. Um, I love this scripture. I love it. I read it a lot. And the reason I read it a lot <laughs> is because I'm still learning how to live it. I read scriptures over people like, you ain't read this one? You ain't read uh, Hosea in a while? No, I've been stuck because I'm stuck in this particular part of scripture because I haven't lived it yet. So I have to keep reading it <laughs> until I live it. You know, I can't add too much more food to my plate because I'm freaking choke. So I'm going to need to learn how to do this. So I need to read it over and over and over again. 
you know, so eat the same meal. <laughs> so finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. This is one way you deal with fear. This is one way you go into trusting God. You think about these things. You remember, right? You speak truth to that fear. And remember the amazing things that God has done. I believe David trusted God because he remembered his deliverance and experience from the past. This whole time that David was on the run, God was saving his life. He lived uh, for quite a while. Like, he escaped every time. Like, you want to look at how to be a fugitive, you look at David. <laughs> now, you're going to get caught if you did wrong. He, God ain't going to support that. But, but David, as a man of God who was doing what he was supposed to do, the Lord protected him through a lot of different things, through a lot of different countries, cities, everywhere. And he had to be exhausted. But God still protected him. So you meditate on those scriptures. What's true, right? What's lovely? What's commendable? And then you pray and you trust God. Let's look at verses 5 and 8. All day long, they injure my cause, and their thoughts are against me for evil. They stir up strife, they lurk, they watch my steps as they have waited for my life. For their crime will they escape, and wrath cast down the peoples, O God. What I gather from these verses is that David's enemies were relentless. Have you ever been in a situation where you're dealing with somebody who just won't let up? you like, I just need a break. I need a respite, Lord, because I'm going to snap. Like, I need a second. But they just won't let up. They just keep coming. Every day you go into work, you know, it's this one person. You're like, man, I ain't got no more time off. I need to take it to get away from this person. Because they relentless. They relentlessly get on my nerves. They relentlessly bug me. You know, you might have that with family members, too. Get to the house. I don't want to deal with A, B, and C. But he said that this person, these people, they twisting your words, lying in wait waiting for you to fail, watching your every move, tracing on your steps, lurking, creeping. If you haven't experienced that from a person, it's okay. That's what the devil does. He does that. So this is all the work of the devil. So if a person's doing it, it's the work of the devil. And if it ain't a person you're experiencing from, the enemy for sure is doing that in your life. This is an anxiety-ridden situation. If I'm David, I'm always anxious. Like every looking over my shoulder, every five seconds, you know, can't sleep. Because, you know, if you sleep for a second, he might catch up. So now I got to get up and move to the next cave. And the enemy is always looking to destroy us. He always looking. He want to take your rest. Steal, kill, destroy. That's all he wants to do to us. So he is relentless in his pursuit. However, I love David's example to the response, what our response should be. He said, God, you deal with my enemy, with your wrath. I can't fight an enemy that don't sleep. Who has plans on top of plans. That ain't how I can't. I can't. I'm sleep. I can't make plans while I'm sleep. You making plans, I'm sleep. All right, bro, how, how bad you hate me? The devil hates you. He hates you so much that he's like, oh, oh, I got a good one. I got three years worth of plans. You can't fight that. The scripture told us we can't fight that. Why? We're supposed to rely on God, right? But sometimes we get full of ourselves and think we got it. And next thing you know, you looking up at the sky. Why? Because you got knocked out. <laughs> you thought you had hands. You should have been quiet. You didn't talk to got knocked out. If you ain't got no hands, shut your mouth. <laughs> and guess what? Saints, we ain't got no hands. Not for the enemy. So we need to be quiet. We need to run to the Lord. 
right? And let him fight for us. So we go to the enemy and we say, God, you handle him with your wrath. Because the Lord who I trust is all powerful. He can fight and destroy the enemy and turn my circumstance around. My next point, God is for you. Come on now. He wants you to win. He wants you to win, but you got to surrender to the person who's going to help you win. You can't do it yourself. We might be getting chased like a fugitive, man, but all the same, man, David really trusted God, really ran to him. And we got to do the same thing with anybody we deal with in our lives and especially in our spiritual walk with God, especially then. So I just want to encourage you with that and just say whatever circumstances are in your lives right now, and I want to say this to Livingstone specifically and to all of us, it's just another in a long line of failed attempts by the enemy to crush us and will soon turn into our triumphant testimony of what God has done to set us free. He is for us. He is for us. Long line in a failed attempts. It ain't going to work. It ain't going to prosper. You can knock me down. That's cool. A couple of punches might get. That's cool. But when I introduce you to the person protecting me, I feel sorry for you. You didn't mess around and found out. I don't protect myself. It's he that does it. So I step back and let him do his business. And I'm standing back there like the little brother, like, yeah, hit him with the left. <laughs> hit him with, get, get the right again. I couldn't hit that. Get, the, get it again two times. Three uppercuts. You know, you catch three. <laughs> but yeah, that blessed me, man. I wanted to just encourage y'all with that. It's not going to stand. It's not going to stay. What's going on in your life right now is not the end of it. That's not the end of the story. God is still writing. He's written it for you, as a matter of fact. So be encouraged that it'll come to a close. Be encouraged that it'll be a testimony. Be encouraged the enemy can't use it to destroy you and that he's going to be salty when you write that thing down and it's a testimony. And then 15 and 20 other people get free and don't even have to come near what you went through because God used you to speak to them. Be encouraged. Be encouraged. Verse 8 and 9. You have kept count of my blessing. Put my tears in a bottle. Are they not in your book? Then my enemies will turn back in the day when I call. This I know that God is for me. Tears in a bottle. I love this. This is so poetic. Psalms of poetry book. It's the image of God collecting David's tears as a father. Because the father never forgets the suffering of their children. They don't. All my dads in here, parents, moms, y'all don't forget the suffering of your kids. You know. So not one tear is shed without evoking the most heartfelt empathy and compassion of God. Same with you as parents. A tear is shed. It evokes sympathy and compassion, right? That feeling you get when your, when your child cries and you just want to, you know, go do something to help, even though you might not know what that is, but you go, right? The same thing with our father. He said, are they not in your book? And it's a reference to God knowing and remembering our suffering. So that's my next point. God remembers our suffering. And here's the thing. God's remembering is not just a matter of record, but to act on our behalf. To be remembered by God is a blessing. Examples. He remembered Sarah. He remembered Rachel. He remembered Hannah. And then he opened their wombs. God's memory is like a river that flows through time and space, past, present, and future in order to bring forth healing, blessing, and deliverance that he has promised to each and every one of us. I want to be remembered by God. People might forget me. But God will remember me and he will take action. 
his remembrance is amazing. Look through the scriptures next time. Just search the word remembrance and then look through the scriptures of when God remembered people and look what he did for them. And re- it was always action. I remember something. It's just a memory. It's just a record. God remembers something. He's going to do something to change something in your life. Amen. This reminds me of Hebrews chapter 4. I love this scripture. Hebrews 4, 15 and 16. For we do not have a high priest who was unable to sympathize. Pause. Unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who is in every aspect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. God remembers us. He did not forget. He knows what we go through because he was tempted. So he's not sitting up there like, hey, I ain't sin. Work it out. Nah, I I got hit too. I got tempted for 40 days. I remember So I'm here to help you. I'm here to encourage you. I'm here to push you along because I'm with you. I remember you. Verse 10 and 11. In God whose word I praise. In the Lord whose word I praise. In God I trust. I shall not be afraid. What can man do to me? This verse is repeated from verse 4. In a song you always have a chorus, right? And I think this is the chorus of this song. Because he said it in verse 4, the same thing. And it feels like a chorus that David wrote. And he repeats it. Repetition in scripture usually means you really need to pay attention to this. Because once again, we got to trust God in all these hard times. Man, flesh, mortals, however you slice it, can do nothing to you. Nothing. They got no power. None. David put his trust completely in God. Even while hiding in a cave. Yo, how unstoppable is your faith when hiding in a cave won't stop your praise? How unstoppable is your faith? When you could be hiding out, sleeping somewhere dark, dirty, wet, because you on the run, because you're scared, but you worshiping God because you know he's going to bring you out of that. David had that unstoppable praise and faith. And I'm learning by reading this and by teaching and just by absorbing it how to have the same type because I'm growing in that too. I'm only standing here as the chief grower. <laughs> I'm growing in that too. I'm not, I'm not achieved this. I'm working on this. But I'm thankful that God is showing us this so that we all can grow together. Verses 12 and 13. I must perform my vows to you, O God. I will render thank offerings to you, for you have delivered my soul from death. Yes, my feet from failing, from falling, that I may walk before God in the light of life. I love the explanation here from the Bible Knowledge Commentary. My final point here. God will deliver us. He is a deliverer. You need to rest in that. He will deliver us. David's confidence led him to anticipate that God would deliver him from danger so that he might walk or might live, walk in the light of life, obediently before him. As in other Psalms, David was so confident God would deliver him that he wrote in the past tense. You delivered me. Past tense. So he vowed to praise God with thank offerings. Let me translate that for you. He praised God on credit. God, I know it ain't happened yet, but I got receipts from you. I know what you did in the past. So I'm pretty sure that you're going to do the same in the future. 
You showed me that when I was sick, you was a healer. When I was down, you was a lifter of my head. When I was anxious, you was my peace. When I mourned, you was my comforter. When I was in bondage, you set me free indeed. When I was captured, you were my deliverer. So God is a deliverer. David knew from his past receipts. I ain't never did this, but look at somebody and say, you better keep them receipts. Keep them receipts. Know that God remembers all that you all that you've been through. And you need to remember what he has done for you, because that is the key to knowing that he's a deliverer. You look back in your past and you know God has done it for you. We thank him because he break chains. We thank him that even while I'm sitting in the dark, I can worship. Even when I'm being mistreated, I can worship. I'm confident as David was confident that he's a deliverer because I've seen his deliverance in my past. I got the receipts to show it. I got the proof. So we just need to remember that. Remember to give thank offerings to God. Remember to worship him. Remember he cares about our fears. Remember he wants our trust. Remember that God is for you. Right? Remember that God remembers our sufferings. He ain't forgot. And keep in mind that God will always deliver you. The saints live a delivered life. Thank you for graciously listening. I appreciate you. Amen. Father God, I thank you, and I give you praise for your word. Let us remember you, Lord, as a deliverer. Let us know that that is who you are. Give us a past tense worship style. Will we realize, Lord, that you have done it already, so we praise you in advance. So, God, as we leave from this place, not your presence, I pray that your word sits in our hearts and that you will bless us to remember that you are for us and that we will walk in victory. I pray this for living stones. I pray for everybody going through anything in here, Lord, that they see you as a deliverer and that they leave from this place encouraged knowing that they walk in freedom and that it is a walk, but you are with them and you remember them and you're going to set them free and let them walk delivered. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.